Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Lahulhamdul Hassan Wathana'ul Jamil Washadu Allah ilaha illallah Wahdahu la sharika lah Washadu anna Sayyidina wa Nabiyyana Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi Wa tabi'ina lahum bihsanin ila yawmi ddin amma ba'd Wa in the sharah of the kitab Al-Urjuzatul Mi'iyyah Written by the great Imam Ibn Abil Izz Al-Hanafi We stopped at line 21 and we're going to carry on from the 22nd line today, bi'idhnillahi uh, kareem. The author, rahimahullah, he says, When the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he reached the age of 40. Yani the Prophet is 40 years of age. Salawatullahi wa salamun alayhi. He was what? Ursila. He was sent out as a messenger. And he was chosen to be a a prophet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he sent him as a messenger. And it was on a Monday with certainty because the narrations indicate that. So when the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam became a prophet, when he was four years, 40 years of age, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Um, the author, rahimahullah, he got this that the Prophet ﷺ became a prophet at the age of 40, as it's narrated from Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhumah. Abdullah ibn Abbas and Jubair ibn Mut'im, both of them whom are companions, they stated that the Messenger ﷺ, he became a prophet at the age of 40, and he was sent to mankind. Um, Abdullah ibn Abbas he said بُعِثَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمَ لِأَرْبَعِينَ سَنَةً فَمَكَثَ بِمَكَّةَ ثَلَاثَ عَشَرَةَ سَنَةً يُوحَى إِلَيْهِ ثُمَّ أُمِرَ بِالْهِجْرَةِ فَهَاجَرَ عَشَرَ سِنِينَ وَمَاتَ وَهُوَ بْنُ ثَلَاثٍ وَسِتِينَ The Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم became a prophet when he was 40. He stayed in Mecca for 13 years. He stayed in Medina for 10 years. He died when he was 63 Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He became a prophet with Iqra. Nubbi'a bi Iqra. And he became a prophet when Iqra came down on him. And he became a messenger when um, Suratul Mudathir came down on him. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this happened on a Monday. It happened on a Monday. And there are evidence to state that. Um, Al-Imam Muslim narrated in his Sahih on the authority of Abi Qatadat al-Ansari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked about Monday su'ila an yawm al-ithnayn he was asked about Monday faqala he said thaka yawmu wulittu fihi that is the day thaka yawmun wulittu fihi that was the day which I was born wa yawmun bu'ithtu fihi and it was the day in which I was sent it was the day in which I was sent. Salawatullahi wa salamuhu So he became a prophet at the age of 40. The Messenger وسلم, is, dispute, is disputed which month he became a prophet. There is a khilaf. But there is no dispute on the day. Because the day has a clear hadith in which the Messenger وسلم, mentioned it. But there is a khilaf amongst the scholars. They differ amongst themselves. What month was it that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He became a prophet um, There are two opinions There are two opinions One opinion 
is the opinion here, which is Ramadan. And the second opinion is the eighth, اليوم الثامن من ربيع الأول. The author mentioned both views. في رمضان أو ربيع الأولي. Um, some scholars they say Ramadan, and some say um, it was not uh, Ramadan. It was ربيع الأول. And the most famous of those opinions, يعني which is مشهور, it was that it was on the eighth of ربيع الأول. And that's the day that if we look at it now. It's, in, it's on a Monday. It's on a Monday. But the question here is, how do we then reconcile that? If we say that that's the most prominent and the most famous view, how do we reconcile that with um, the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where he said, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنَ That the Qur'an was sent down in the month of Ramadan. Or the statement of Allah where he said, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ فِي لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ that we sent it down in a Laylatul Qadr. Laylatul Qadr is in Ramadan. So, how do we reconcile between that? Because Surah Iqra came down on the Prophet ﷺ. And so the ayah saying that the Quran came down on Ramadan. How do we reconcile between that? Um, there's an there's a easy way to reconcile between it. Abdullah ibn Abbas mentioned that the Quran came down twice. The Quran came down... Um, one time from uh, Bayt al-Izzah and it came down uh, uh, it came down to Bayt al-Izzah from the Sama' al-Dunya. So it came down from Bayt al-Izzah to Sama' al-Dunya. That's the one that Laylatul Qadr, the Quran came down. The second one is from the it came down mufarraqan ala al-waqa'i' that the situations that happened to the Prophet in each situation, Quran was coming down regarding it. Naam. So that's what the scholars are uh, they're saying. That the Quran came down twice. That one time the Quran came down um, to Baytul Izza and then from Baytul Izza it came down to the earth. Okay, so شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنُ They're saying, it's referring to from Baytul Izza إِلَى السَّمَاءِ الدُّنْيَا Okay, that's what they're saying. That the ayah, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَهُ فِي لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ Is talking about the Qur'an coming down to Baytul Izza. As for it coming down from Baytul Izza to the earth, they're saying that that first time it started, was Rabi'i al-Awwal on the 8th of Rabi'i al-Awwal when Iqra came down on the Messenger sallallahu and the remaining others uh, verses they came down hasb al-waqa'i' in accordance to the situations of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so that's how they reconcile between it the scholars rahimahumullah the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the wudu was taught to him yani ja'a Jibreelun ila nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Jibreel came to the Messenger Sallallahu alayhi wa sallama And he taught the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallama He taught him um, The wudu And he also taught him uh, The salah uh, But the salah in which he taught him Wahiya rak'atani muhkama He taught him the salah in two rak'ah And the salah when it first came down 
Duhur was only two, Asr was only two, Isha was only two, Maghrib was always three, and Fajr was always two. The first time he came, the Messenger وسلم, used to pray like that. And the first prayer that Jibreel taught the Prophet وسلم, was Salat al-Dhuhr. Dhuhr was the first prayer. So the Salah used to be two rak'ah. It used to be two rak'ah. After that it became, it became four. ثُمَّ مَضَتْ عِشْرُونَ يَوْمًا كَامِنًا 20 days went by, by, by what? The time that the Messenger ﷺ was sent out. After the Messenger ﷺ was sent out, 20, night, 20 days went by. 20 days had passed, and these 20 full days that passed were after he was sent out as a Prophet ﷺ. فَرَمَتِ الْجِنَّ هَائِلًا 20 days, and Nabi Muhammad is a Prophet, 20 days, something happened. An enormous, terrifying star, it pelted the jinn. And this is what Allah mentioned in the Quran. The jinns, they used to go up to the sky and they would listen. But 20 days into the Prophet prophecy, what happened was, they had shooting stars. They got um, stars thrown at them, you see. And so the jinns, they realized that this, some, this is something that's happening. They said to themselves, the reason why we can't go to the sky and listen is because there's something happening on this earth. So what they said was, we're going to go find out. And they went and they dispersed to find the messenger Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is what happened. The skies became locked from them. That's why Allah mentioned in the ayah, وَأَنَّا لَمَسْنَا السَّمَاءَ فَوَجَدْنَاهَا مُلِئَتْ حَرَسًا شَدِيدًا وَشُهُبًا Two things happened to the sky. That they could freely go. Guards. مُلِئَتْ حَرَسًا Guards were placed. And شُهُبًا Stars were being thrown at them. So... They said to themselves, this is only because of something that's happening on this earth. The reason why this is happening to us, we need to get to the bottom of it. And so they went out to find out the reason why this is happening to them. The Messenger وسلم, the jinns are now realizing that the sky is locked. He's 20 days prophets. The jinns, as Imam Muhammad mentioned in his Musnad, they used to climb each other. And they would listen to the sky and they would pass on to each other the information of what they hear. Each one would add one lie, one lie, one lie, one lie. And then the fortune teller would be at the bottom. And he would be given so much lie. And this is how they used to get the information. Okay? When Nabiullah Muhammad became a prophet, they could no longer go to the sky. So they realized that this is something that's taking place on this earth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... He blocked the sky from them. They can't listen because revelation is being given now. They're not, here, they're not allowed to listen to it. Okay? And also Allah Ta'ala, he placed, uh, he placed there with um, angels and he also shooting stars were happening to them. ثُمَّ da'a, The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave da'wah and his da'wah was divided into two. Salawatullahi Wasallamuhu Alaihi The Prophet's da'wah is divided into two. 
The da'wah of the Prophet ﷺ is known as da'wah sirriyah or da'wah jahriyah. Proclaiming his da'wah in the open and making his da'wah hidden. So for four years, um, the fourth year, sorry, on the fourth year, he called openly to Islam. And in four years, the Prophet was private. He wasn't speaking it out loud. He was calling to people here or there. But on the fourth year, uh, after, after his prophecy, after he became a prophet, after four years, the Messenger sallallahu he came out in the open. He started a da'wah al-jahriyyah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was calling to Islam. And this is when the um, ayah came down. The first three years, he was calling to his people, hiding. And then the ayah came down, which Allah Taala said, فَصْدَعْ بِمَا تُؤْمَرْ وَأَعْرِضْ عَنِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Allah Taala commanded him, this time, go and warn the people. So he went and he spoke loud in the open. He wasn't hiding it anymore. Four women along with 12 men um, from the companions of the Messenger migrated. Where did they migrate to? They migrated to the, um, the land of uh, Abyssinia. Ila bilad al-Hubshi. To the land of Abyssinia. And this was the, it was the same year, it was in the fifth year, sorry, it was the fifth year. And the same year they returned but went back without blame. What is the author talking about here? The Messenger when he started to give the da'wah out in the open and he came out and he gave da'wah, Quraysh, they started to harm the Messenger. They started to show the Prophet hostility. Khaam. They wanted to cause pain to him and his followers. But you have to understand, Nabi Muhammad, he is protected by Allah without a doubt, but also he has, he has a tribe. He has a tribe. Banu Hashim, all of them are standing beside, beside, the, beside him, sallallahu alayhi wa except his uncle Abu Talib. All of his other uncles, all of his other family members are all aiding him. Abu Talib is helping the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa He's supporting and aiding him. You see? And the Messenger وسلم, has a, nice, a good number of people from big tribes like Abu Bakr, Uthman ibn Affan, um, Abdul Rahman ibn Awf. Um, the Prophet has a number of large Sahabas. Sa'ad ibn Abu Waqas. He has a group of Men who are from big tribes that can't be easily touched, and you have to understand the dynamics of that land. Tribe has a say. Tribe has a say. So that's one. Also, the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he is um, amongst his companions are those who are weak, who are not from big tribes. Like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was a shepherd for Uqbah ibn Abi Mu'ayt, Bilal, Ammar ibn Yasir, um, Allah al-Musta'an, uh, Bilal, um, 
and a number of the companions were mustadafin. They took Islam and Quraysh can harm them. So Hijrah was permitted. When the harm of the religion touched these people, they were told you can go. Even though Bilal didn't travel to Abyssinia, he didn't. He stayed in Mecca still, but other companions, they traveled. Um, other tra- companions traveled. From the people who traveled was Uthman ibn Affan and other noble companions and Ja'far, Ja'far and others, they traveled to Abyssinia. Mm-hmm. So the men were four. Uh, sorry, the women were four. The women were four and the men were twelve. They traveled and the author, rahimahullah, he says, they travel to Ab- Abyssinia. Why do they travel to Abyssinia? Because the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa he told them that in Abyssinia there is a what? A king. There is a king, a man. Um, in the Prophet said, In Abyssinia, there is a leader. No one is oppressed in his presence. He's a just leader, fair leader. You see? The women that traveled, the four women that traveled are Ruqayya bint nabi the Prophet's daughter, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She traveled with her husband, Uthman Ma'afan. Ummu Salama, who was at that time married, she traveled with her husband, Abi Salama ibn Abdul Asad. Sahla bint Suhail, she traveled with her husband, Abi Hudayfa ibn Utbah ibn Rabi'ah. Utbah ibn Rabi'ah is the leader of Quraysh. Abi Hudayfana, Abi Hudayfana, he is the, the owner of Salim. Salim, Mawla Abi Hudayfa. You don't know Salim, the Qari. Naam, he was Muqurra al Sahaba. And uh, that was the wife, his wife, with her husband. And the fourth woman was Layla bint Abi Khaythamata. She traveled with her husband, Amr ibn Rabi'ah. And there is a fourth um, woman who traveled, a fifth, sorry, woman who traveled. The author didn't mention. There's a fifth woman. Her name is Ummu Kalthum bintu Suhail ibn Amrin. Suhail ibn Amrin. Ah, spokesman. Two of his sons already took Islam. Abi Jandal, Abdullah ibn, huh? and Abdullah ibn, Ibn Suhail, you see, and Ummu Kalthum, his daughter, three of them took Islam. Suhail ibn Amrin, by the way, is the man who does Sulh al-Hudaybiyah with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi He does a treaty with, with, with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi in Hudaybiyah, and he says to the Prophet, I want my son. We're going to see that soon, inshallah ta'ala. So she traveled uh, with her husband, Abu Sabrata, Ibn Abdul Uzza. So these are the people who, tra- these are five women like in the author, Rahimahullah, he that's what he mentioned. So now, so these are the these are the these are the uh, the companions women. What about the men? The men, as Zubair ibn Awam, Abdul Rahman ibn Auf, Musab ibn Umair, Hatib ibn Amrin, Uthman ibn Madun, Abdullah ibn Masud, Hashim ibn Umair. Um, the men were 17. Those are the ones who traveled to Abyssinia. Those are the ones who traveled to Abyssinia. Now, 
I'm slightly not sure. These five women traveled. Were they the Ibn Abi al-Izz al-Hanafi here mentions four women, right? So were the first one five or were the second time fifth? And we'll see inshallah ta'ala. We'll see bi'ibn al-Kareem. But I remember the women were those five and the men were 17 in total. There's something I, I didn't mention, I forgot to mention, which is ila biladil hubshi fi khamisi am wa fi aadu thumma aadu la malam. That he mentions that they came back that same year. On the fifth year, they migrated to Abyssinia, and that same year they came back. Why did they come back? Yani why did uh, the Sahabas who migrated to Abyssinia actually come back? They came back because the, a false news was spread. A false news was given that um, Quraysh took Islam. That all of Quraysh took Islam. So what they did is they came back um, and... Uh, that is what happened, uh, and that's what made them come. Then the author, rahimahullah, he mentions in the 29th line, he says, He says, they were 83 men, uh, accompanied by a group completing their total number. And they were 18 women later on in the sixth year, Hamza al-Asad, Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, he took Islam. So the, uh, the amount of people who migrated from the men is 83. The second time. Remember I just said they came back thinking that Quraysh took Islam. But when they came back, they went, they went back. Some of them didn't go back. Some of them did not go back. For example, uh, Abdullah ibn Abi Suhail, he, Suhail ibn Amrin grabbed his son. He stuck, held him. Some of the Sahabas didn't, didn't go back. They stayed. But others went with them. Second time. Second migration to Abyssinia. And the number was what? 83 um, The men were 83 And the women were what? 18 The women were what? The women were 18 And Hamza took Islam that year That year Hamza took Islam And what brought Hamza into Islam Is that he entered um, Hamza is related to the Prophet From two perspectives Two angles One is that Hamza and the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Uncle uh, Hamza is his uncle Also Is his brother as well Is his brother <coughs> Is his brother From breastfeeding Okay And Hamza what brought him into Islam Is that when he entered In Mecca He used to go out Hamza used to go out And he used to uh, Hunt Lion skin And he used to trade and buy and sell that. Hamza. So when he came to Mecca, he was told that Abu Jahl slapped the Prophet ﷺ in the Haram, in the Kaaba. So what he said is, did he do that to Muhammad? So he ran to Abu Jahl, he hit Abu Jahl, and then he said, I'm telling you now I have taken Islam. So Hamza took Islam. And then a little bit later, Umar ibn al-Khattab came into Islam. A couple of days later, Umar ibn al-Khattab came to Islam. 
And that was it for Quraysh now. It was over now. Over. Case closed. Hamza is on the Prophet's side. And Umar, that's it. It's finished. The author, rahimahullah, here he says, وَبَعْدَ تِسْعٍ مِنْ سِنِّي رِسَالَتِي مَاتَ أَبُوْ طَالِبْ مَاتَ أَبُوْ طَالِبْ ذُو كَفَالَتِي وَبَعْدَهُ خَدِيجَةٌ تُوفِيَتْ مِنْ بَعْدِ أَيَّامٍ ثَلَاثَةٍ مَضَتْ صح؟ Nawfal, you read those two lines, صح؟ Yeah? So, these two lines, it mentions Abu Talib died the, uh, on the seventh, uh, on the tenth of the, uh, after the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi nine years, nine years, sorry, Sanati Tasi'ah, on the ninth year of the Prophet's prophecy, Abu Talib died. And also, uh, Khadija died. So, وَبَعْدَ تِسْعٍ مِنْ سِنِّي رِسَالَتِي What does that mean? Ninth of the Prophet's prophecy. Yani nine years after he became a Prophet. So the Prophet Sallallahu now is, he is, uh, he became a Prophet when he's 40, and now he's 49 years old. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, 49. His uncle dies. And his wife. His wife, Khadija, Radiyallahu ta'ala anha, she dies. Abu Talib, who was Dhu Kafalati, the one who took care of him and take, uh, took care of him. And Khadija, who also did the same. Um, the scholars of Sirah, they never disputed that Abu Talib and Khadija died the same year. There's no dispute about that. They both agree, sorry, the scholars all agree that the same year Khadija and Abu Talib died. But they, dis- they dispute one another who died first. And what was the duration between the deaths of the two? That which is famous, um, that is Khadija died after Abi Talib three days. That is the most famous opinion. It's the most common opinion. That Khadija, she died um, three days after Abu Talib. Ibn Kathirin, he says, it reached me. Ibn Bayhaqi is saying this. Al Imam al Bayhaqi. It reached me. And Khadija Tufiat Ba'damoti Abi Talib Bithalathati Ayamin. That Khadija died three days after Abu Talib. The Karaw Abdullah ibn Mandah fi kitab al Ma'arifati wa Shaykhuna Abu Abdullah al Hafid. He said two people mentioned this. Ibn Mandah mentioned it, and our Shaykh also mentioned that after the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's age of 50 and when he became 50 years of age sallallahu alaihi wasallam wa rub'in rub'in means 3 months yani 50 years and 3 months the jinn of nasibin took islam the jinn of nasibin and the jinn of nasibin are a, by the way nasibin is a place um now located between Turkey and Syria. That's when that's where it is. Nasibin. So they took Islam. Um, and they heard the Prophet reciting the Quran. When they heard the Prophet, by the way, Jinnu Nasibina were the jinns who were trying to climb up each other. To go to the sky and remember what I said to you. 
they went and dispersed on the earth. 20 days into the Prophet's prophecy, sah? 20 days. The Prophet was prophet only for 20 days. So they said, we need to find out why these skies is closed. Who is this person who, because of him, this is all locked up? So they went and they met, they saw him, they came into contact with him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he was 50 years of age. Okay? Yani 10 years later, 10 years later, they met the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And they saw him. And they listened to his Qur'an, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when they heard him recite the Qur'an, it touched their heart. And that's where the ayah came down. وَإِذْ صَرَفْنَا إِلَيْكَ نَفَرًا مِّنَ الْجِنِّ يَسْتَمِعُونَ الْقُرْآنِ فَلَمَّا حَضَرُوهُ قَالُوا أَنْسِتُوا فَلَمَّا قُضِيَ وَلَّوْا إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِمْ مُنْذِرِينَ قَالُوا يَا قَوْمَنَا إِنَّا سَمِعْنَا كِتَابًا أُنْزِلَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مُوسَىٰ إِلَىٰ آخر الْآيَةِ These, uh, This came down. But what did they do? As soon as they heard the recitation of the Qur'an, وَلَّوْا إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِمْ مُنْذِرِينَ قَالُوا يَا قَوْمَنَا إِنَّا سَمِعْنَا كِتَابًا أُنْزِلَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مُوسَىٰ مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ يَهْدِي إِلَىٰ الْحَقِّ وَإِلَىٰ طَرِيقٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ يعني they became dua إلى الله سبحانه وتعالى callers to Allah سبحانه وتعالى's way and his path we'll stop there inshallah ta'ala for the salah um, and we'll carry on after the salah بإذنه الكريم the author رحمه الله he now goes into um, who the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم married after Khadija died after Khadija died, the Messenger ﷺ, he married Sauda bint Zam'a. Sauda bint Zam'a, Ibn Qays al Qurashiyah. The Messenger ﷺ, he married her and she was, a, she was married before the Prophet ﷺ. She was married to a man by the name of As-Sakaran ibn Amr. She was married to him. Um, Sakran ibn Amrin and Sauda bint Zam'ana, they migrated, both of them migrated to what? To Abyssinia together. And then when they came back to Mecca, um, her husband died. He died in Mecca. And the Messenger sallallahu he married her in the month of Ramadan. And he married her two years, and some scholars, they said three years before he migrated to Medina. So... Um, that's the woman he married. From the unique things of Soda binti Zama, yani one of the unique things that she had, the qualities that she had was that um, she gave her day that she owned, that she had the rights for, she gave her night to uh, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. She gave her night to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. Soda became very old in age. Um, so when she became very old in age, the Messenger Sallallahu was going to divorce her. He was going to divorce her, Sallallahu So what she said is, Ya, ya Rasulullah, instead of you divorcing me and letting me go, I could stay with you as a wife because that's what I want the Day of Judgment. But instead, go and give my night to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. 
So what, that's what the Prophet ﷺ did. He gave her night to Aisha and she remained his wife sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She remained his wife radiallahu ta'ala anha. So if a question was asked, who did the Prophet sallallahu marry after uh, Khadija? You say Sawda bint Zam'ah. He married her. If you get asked who was she married to before the Prophet, As-Sakran ibn Amrin was her husband. And Sakran and her migrated to Abyssinia. And when she returned back to Mecca, her husband stayed with her for a bit. And then in Mecca, he died. After Sawda bint Zam'ah, when the messenger married her, the Prophet ﷺ, he married Aisha bint Abi Bakr al-Siddiq. The Prophet ﷺ, he married Aisha, the daughter of Abu Bakr. May Allah be pleased with Aisha and may Allah be pleased with her father. The messenger married her in the month of Shawwal before he migrated. Two years before he migrated. And some scholars, they said, three years before he migrated. So, the same year in which he married Sawda bint Zam'ah, he married Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. It's just that Sawda was first. Aisha has qualities and unique things. The first quality that she has is that she was the most beloved woman to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now the question that the scholars discussed is that was she the most beloved woman to the Prophet in general, even Khadija included? Or was she the most beloved woman to him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam after Khadija died? From all the other women that the Prophet married, was Aisha uh, the most beloved one to him? There's a dispute amongst the scholars regarding that. Um, there was no virgin that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam married other than Aisha. And all of his other wives, they were not virgins. That's the second quality that Aisha has, which is unique in it. Number three, the revelation used to come down on the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam whilst the Prophet Sallallahu would be on her lap or on her chest or with her. Also, Quran came down regarding her affairs when she was falsely accused of the ifk, which we'll see inshallah ta'ala. She was the most knowledgeable woman from all the wives of the Prophet sallallahu But rather, she's the most knowledgeable woman when it comes to this whole entire ummah. Every woman in this ummah, Aisha is more knowledgeable than her. She's afqahu nisa'il ummah. She's the most knowledgeable woman in this ummah. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, in the religion. And last but not least, the Prophet sallallahu he died in her house. He had his head on her, chest, on her chest. That's where he died, sallallahu alayhi All of those give her qualities and virtue. Also from the things that she had was that her father was the best man after all of the Prophets. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he married Sawda bint after Khadija, and then he married Aisha after Sawda bint The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa when he was 51 years of age, 51 sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was usriya bihi. Asra al-mi'raj happened. He was taken from Mecca to Bayt al-Maqdis, and from Bayt al-Maqdis, he was taken up into the sky. All of this happened in one night. He was taken to high above. He was taken. And the salah 
was made obligatory. The Prophet was only 51, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was, he was given khamsan bi khamsina. Five prayers that are the reward of 50. Yani the salah is five, but it's 50 in reward. The reason is because the salah originally was 50, and it got summarized until it became, from 50 it became five. The reward is still 50. The reward is what? Still 50. So this night, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, he saw Jibreel in the way Allah created him subhanahu wa ta'ala. The salah was made obligatory. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he saw the other prophets. All of this happened in one night. All in one night. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was he, was he physically taken to the high above? Or was it just his soul? His body was still in Mecca. And his um, ruh was taken. You know how we dream. We have a dream. Our minds go everywhere. And we, come, we wake up and we're in the bed. Is that what happened? Or was he physically actually taken, alayhi salatu salam, from Mecca to Baytul Maqdis, high above and brought back? The scholars of Al-Islam, they mention that this is the correct view. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he says, وَأُسْرِيَ بِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ بِجَسَدِهِ The Prophet was physically taken. This is the strongest opinion. Okay? And this is the strongest opinion and this is the view that's accepted. Okay? That he was physically taken alayhi salatu wasalam. The author, rahimahullah, he speaks about Bay'atul Aqaba. He talks about Bay'atul Aqaba. Bay'atul Aqaba was so, sorry the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam bay'atul ula bay'atul ula here means bay'atul aqabatul ula the messenger kanat ma'a 12 rajulan 12 men min ahli tayyibah ahli tayyibah are the people of medina al the people of medina kama qad dhukira as it was mentioned in the books of the sirah the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he had what was known, um, he did a pledge of allegiance. He did a what? A pledge of allegiance. Salawatullahi wa salamuhu Bay'atul Aqabah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in the Mawasim, Mawsim al-Hajj, the Hajj time, he used to go out and present himself to the tribes. He would call them to Islam. And in Hajj, anyone who's been there in Mina, there's a place called Jamaratul Aqabah. That place, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he met Ahlul Medina, the people of Medina. The author called it here, Min Ahli Tayyibah. Medina is also known as Tayyibah. So, it was also known as Yathrib. It had many names. So, he met the people of Medina, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They came for Hajj. When the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam met them, he called them to Islam. فَآمَنَ بِهِ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْمَدِينَةِ Twelve believed in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Men. And they gave the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam next to the Aqaba, Jamaratul Aqaba, they gave the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bay'ah, pledge of allegiance. They did. وَلِذَلِكَ إِبْرُوْ سَحَاقَ mentions فَلَمَّا أَرَادَ فَلَمَّا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَ إِذْهَارَ دِينِهِ When Allah intended to make his religion apparent, and also to honor his Prophet. 
And to fulfill his promise that he made for the Prophet. خَرَجَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ فِي الْمَوْسِمِ الَّذِي لَقِيَهُ فِيهِ نَفَرُ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ The Messenger وسلم, he met a number or a, a group of the people of Ansar. فَعَرَضَ نَفْسَهُ عَلَىٰ قَبَائِلِ الْعَرَبِ And the Messenger presented himself to the tribes. كَمَا كَانَ يَصْنَعُ فِي كُلِّ مَوْسِمِ And he used to do this in all of the Mawasim al-Hajj. Every Hajj, the Prophet would go out and then he would speak to the people. He would say to them, uh, who's going to believe in me? Who is going to uh, allow me to convey the religion of Al-Islam? Um, he would say that. And Allah will give them Jannah in return. So when the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi he met, he said, فَبَيْنَمَا هُوَ عِنْدَ الْعَقَبَةِ When he was in Jamaratul الْعَقَبَةِ لَقِيَ رَحْطًا مِنَ الْخَزَرَجِ In Medina, there are two large tribes. Aus and Khazraj. The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi he met Khazraj. أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِهِمْ خَيْرًا Allah intended good for these people. Ibn Ishaq is saying, وَأَنَّهُمْ أَجَابُوا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ They obeyed the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and in what he called them to, they believed in him and they went back to their people. When they came back to Medina, those people, the people of Khazraj, they told their people about Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they called their people to Islam until Islam spread in Medina. There was not a house from the houses in Medina except that they, accept, they, they accepted Islam. The messenger was mentioned, he was discussed, he was spoken about, والسلام, the next year Hajj came. The next year Hajj came. And the messenger, وسلم, um, he met 12 men and he gave them a pledge of allegiance. And um, Mukhari and Muslim both narrated it. Ubadat ibn Samit, and he said that Ubadat ibn Samit was from the people of Ansar. He mentions what the Prophet pledged allegiance with them on. He said, Inni min ibn Samit said, I was from the people in which the Prophet gave the pledge of allegiance to. He, this was the pledge of allegiance. The pledge of allegiance was that we don't associate partners with Allah. Wala nasriqa, sorry, we do not steal. Wala nazniya, we do not do zina. Wala naqtulan nafsa allati harram Allahu illa bilhaq. And we do not kill innocent people. Wala nan tahiba. Wala na'asiya biljannati in fa'alna dalika. We do not rob and take people's belongings and their things. And we do not disobey. If we want Jannah, we won't disobey. فَإِنْ غَشِينَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ شَيْئًا كَانَ قَضَاءُ ذَلِكَ إِلَى اللَّهِ And if we deceive in this pledge of allegiance, then Allah will deal with us subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the pledge of allegiance that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he took with them. So they believed in the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, and the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he gave them that bay'ah. Allah mentioned in the Quran the ayah. This bay'ah, by the way, is referred to as bay'atun nisa. Some people say, what, is, what does that mean, bay'atun nisa? It was the bay'at that the Prophet ﷺ gave to the women as well. That's why Allah said in the Quran, Ya ayyuhan nabiyyu idha ja'aka al-mu'minatu yubay'inaka ala alla yushrikna billahi shay'an wa la yasriqna wa la yazneen. 
ولا يسرقن ولا يزنين ولا يقتلن أولادهن ولا يأتين ببهتان يفترينه بين أيديهن ورجلهن ولا يعصينك في معروف فبايعهن واستغفر لهن الله That was a bay'ah which we mentioned ولا يأتين ببهتان يفترينه بين أيديهن وأرجلهن Staying away from sins and disobeying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the author, rahimahullah, he says, he says, um, at the age of 52, came 70 in the Hajj season. And this is confirmed in the narrations. Min Taybatin, from Tayba, yani Medina, they pledged allegiance. And he later left Mecca on a Monday in the month of Safar. This, the author, rahimahullah, He's saying that when the Messenger sallallahu was 52 years of age, sallallahu alayhi 70 men came to him in Hajj. Mosim al-Hajj. And this is authentic. It's, in a, it's a hadith which are sahiha. That the Messenger sallallahu alayhi they came to him. 70 men. The 12, went, 12 men went back, gave da'wah. The next year, 70 men came to him sallallahu alayhi wa Min Tayyibah, from Medina. فَبَايَعُوهُ عَلَيْهِ صَلَاةُ وَسَلَامُ This is now called بَيْعَةُ الْعَقَبَةِ الثَّانِيَةِ This is the second بَيْعَةُ الْعَقَبَةِ ثُمَّ هَجَرْ And then he migrated sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He migrated from Mecca on a Monday in the month of Safar. And there's another view which says, No, شَهْرُ رَبِيعِ الْأَوَّلِ شَهْرُ رَبِيعِ الْأَوَّلِ Now let me mention something. The Messenger alayhi salatu wassalam when he was 52 years of age, in Hajj, Bay'atul Aqabati Thaniya happened. The 70 men came, and the Prophet ﷺ requested from them to take Islam and to believe in him. They accepted that. The, and they, sorry, they already accepted Islam from the Prophet already. They were believers. And what they did was, um, they requested something from the messenger. They said, Ya Rasulullah, why don't you travel to us? Wallahi, if you come to us, we will protect you from what we protect from our women and our children. We will aid you and support you. We will defend you, O Messenger of Allah. So the messenger, sallallahu he sent Mus'ab ibn Umairin to them to teach them the Quran, to teach them the religion. And Islam had spread there. And... Um, so the Prophet ﷺ started to send some of his companions over to Medina and the Messenger ﷺ stayed back a little bit. And the Prophet ﷺ delayed Abu Bakr as well. Uh, so Abu Bakr can be the Prophet's companion in this, in this traveling. So the Messenger ﷺ, he came, فَجَاءَ طَيْبَةً The Messenger ﷺ, he arrived in Tayyibah. صَلَوَاتُ اللَّهِ وَسَلَامٌ عَلَيْهِ يَقِينًا this is a, a certain issue. It came and he was 53 years of age. 53 years of age, he arrived in Medina. Having reached Medina uh, وسلم, uh, on a Monday. And he came to Medina uh, on a Monday. He remained there for 10 full years of his life. Salawatullahi and we already mentioned the story, uh, the narration, sorry, of Ibn Abbas, where he said the Messenger ﷺ became a prophet when he was 40. He stayed in Mecca 
for 13 years and he stayed in Medina for 10 years and he died when he was 63 years of age. Ibn Abbas mentioned that as an imam. Uh, Al-Bukhari mentioned in his Sahih. Naam. The messenger in the first year in Medina, when he migrated there, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he led the salah, salat al-hadari, the salah of residency. And the salah is two types. There's the salah of a resident and a salah of a traveler. The messenger, the way he was praying the salat of the resident, the one who's in his own house, at that time, it was... Um, remember before, what did I say to you? Jibreel, uh, uh, how many rak'ah did he teach the Prophet the salah? Dhuhr was two. Asr was two. And Isha was two. So Dhuhr was two. Asr was two. Isha was two. And the other two, the other two prayers, which is Fajr and Maghrib, are always the way they are. These salawat, which we now shorten when we are travelers, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to pray 222. But the first year he migrated to Mecca, Medina, the Messenger he started to complete the salah, the resident prayer. He now used to lead four. Dhuhr became four. Asr became four. Isha became four now. But the salah will be brought back to its original, yani how it was in Mecca, when you're a traveler. Naam. That's what happened the first year of the Prophet's arrival in Medina. The first thing that he did وسلم, was, was he completed والسلام, he completed the prayer uh, of a resident. It was made complete. Made complete as in Dhuhr was made four, Asr was made four, and Isha was made four. Dhuhr became four, Asr became four, and Isha became four. Our Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim both narrated on the authority of Aisha that she said, The salah was made obligatory too. Dhur was too, Asr was too, Isha was too. The messenger migrated for Arba'an. Then it became four. It was obligated to be four. And the salah goes back to how it was in Mecca when you're a traveler. Okay? Sallallahu alayhi wa that's what he did. Min ba'di ma jamma'a fasma' khabari. The second shatri of the line of poetry, he said this was after he prayed Jum'ah. Listen to my words, the author is saying. So the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he migrated to Medina, he prayed Jum'ah there. Naam. Fasma' khabari. Fasma' khabari. The scholars, they discuss... Before the Messenger وسلم, migrated to Medina, was the Jum'ah led by anyone before him? Scholars, they discuss this issue. They ask and they discuss whether the Jum'ah was led in Medina before he came. Okay? Some scholars, they say no, and some say yes. He, he did. Salawatullahi wa salamu it's a mas'ala that scholars discuss. So, that's what the author here is talking about. Naam. The author, rahimahullah, he now has come to Medina. He is a resident in Medina. So what does he do? He built, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
he built a masjid, the known masjid, Masjid Quba. He built it, alayhi salatu wasalam, um, which is six kilometers away from the Prophet's masjid. Yani masjid al-Nabawi and uh, Masjid al-Quba is six kilometers. So the first thing that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasalam, did when he reached was um, he built, alayhi salatu wasalam, he built a masjid. He built Masjid al-Quba. Alayhi salatu wasalam. This shows that when you come to a city, the first thing that you should give importance to is uh, building a masjid. Building a masjid should be one of the first things that you, sh- you should do. And if you're a Muslim, one of the first things that you should ask when you come to a, a neighborhood is, are there masjids close to this area? That is what's connected to your heart and it's important. And this is this ayah came down regarding it. This ayah that I just recited, ayah 108 in Surah At-Tawbah, some scholars they say this, so there's two views regarding the tafsir of this ayah. This ayah, there's two views regarding it. The first view is, um, it came down regarding Masjid Quba. And the second view is that, no, it didn't. It came down regarding Masjid Al-Nabawi, the, Prophet, the Prophet's Masjid, alayhi salatu wasalam. And whichever view you take, there is no ta'arud. There's no contradiction. Because both of those masjids are Masjid Al-Usisa ala taqwa Masjid Quba and Masjid Al-Nabawi. كل منهما مسجد أسس على التقوى من أول يوم. and both of them, the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم is the one who established it. when the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم reached Quba and the residency of Quba were بني عمرو بن عوف. they were the people who were there. the messenger stayed with them for a couple of nights. عليه الصلاة والسلام. scholars they differ amongst themselves. how long did the prophet stay with them? okay. Some scholars, they said, he stayed with them from Monday to Friday. And some scholars, they said, he stayed with them 10 nights. Some scholars, they said, he stayed with them 22 nights. Allah Ta'ala A'lam, he knows. يعني, um, the Messenger Sallallahu anyways, he stayed with them. And he built this masjid, Masjid Quba, whilst he was there, والسلام, He built it for them. The author then says, وَمَسْجِدِ الْمَدِينَةِ الْغَرَّائِ وَبَنَى صَلَوَاتُ اللَّهِ وَسَلَامٌ عَلَيْهِ The messenger also built um, the, the, his, the masjid that we now know as Masjid al-Nabawi. He built that one as well. The messenger is the one who bought um, the land. Um, it used to be a mirbadin. It was a mirbad. A mirbad is a place where you dry your dates. That's what it used to be, the place where the Masjid al-Nabawi is right now. And it was owned by um, Suhailin and Sahal. Suhail and Sahal were two young orphans from the people of Bani Najjar. The people of Bani Najjar, fi Hijri Asid ibn Zurara. They were two young orphans. They were the ones who owned it, that land, and they used to dry their dates over there. 
as it's narrated in Sahih al-Bukhari, the story is there. And the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he built the masjid in that place, he bought it from them both, and he built the masjid there. وَكَانَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم, The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was one of the people who would pick up the rocks with the companions, and the stones that were building the, 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 the masjid, and he would build it with them. And the Sahabas, whilst building it, they were, they were chanting, they were chanting, Allahumma inna al-ajra ajru al-akhirati farhamil ansara wal muhajira. That's what they were saying. They were chanting it like that. Allahumma inna al-ajra ajru al-akhira farham al-ansara wal muhajira. They were chanting it. Also, the, some of them, some were saying that, um, and he sallallahu alaihi wasallam was saying that specifically. Allahumma inna al-ajra ajru al-akhirati farhamil ansara wal muhajira. That's what he was saying, alayhi salatu salam. But the Sahabas. They were saying in response, لَإِنْ قَعَدْنَا وَالنَّبِيُّ يَعْمَلُ ذَاكَ إِذًا لَعَمَلُ الْمُضَلَّلُ They were chanting that. If we sit down and the Prophet is working, then verily this is an action of misguidance on our behalf. The Sahabas were saying that, and he was saying that to them in response. اللهم إن الأجر أجل الآخرة فرحم الأنصار والمهاجرة So the scholars, they say, these are the times when singing is permissible. يعني when this kind of uh, chanting uh, and like this, uh, which you can you, you can do for your horse or the mother when she wants to put her child to sleep, uh, those little so- songs that she sings for him uh, when you're trying when you're doing a lot of work, yani to do what here you're doing is permissible. They say the author rahimahullah here now he goes in about the Prophet building. He mentioned. ثُمَّ بَنَى مِنْ حَوْلِهِ مَسَاكِنَةِ The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam He built around it يعني the, the, the masjid يعني the masjid, the masjid Nabawi The Prophet, he built around it alayhi salatu wasallam مَسَاكِنَةِ Houses um, He built a house for Soda bint Zam'ah And then after he built a house for Aisha um, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-Imam al-Dhahabi mentioned, he said, Lam yablughna, it never reached us, annahu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bana lahu tis'at abiyatin hina bana al-masjida. When the Prophet was building the masjid, there's no narration that reached us that he built all nine houses. Wala ahsibuhu fa'ala thalik. Dhabi says, I don't think he did that. Inna ma kana yuridu baytan wahida li sawdat he only built one house that he wanted for his current wife, Soda bint Zam'ah. ثُمَّ لَمْ يَحْتَجْ لِبَيْتٍ آخر, And he never needed another house. حَتَّى بَنَى لِعَائِشَةً Until he was now, his marriage with Aisha is consummated. He now wants, he then built a house for her after that. He built it in Shawwal, سَنَتَثْنَتَيْنِ فَكَانَ هُوَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَى زَبَنَاهَا فِي أَوْقَاتٍ مُخْتَلِفَةٍ Each house for the nine wives, he built it at different times. صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَا and these houses are masakin mutawadi'ah. They were simple houses that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa he built. Al-Imam al-Bukhari mentions his house, the way it looked. Uh, if you go to Adab al-Mufrad, Bukhari mentions it. His house was made from what? It was min jaridin nakhli, mughashatun min kharijin bimasuhin shi'ari. Yani, the Messenger sallallahu roof was branches from trees, and it was 
not even يعني, fully furnished house وعرض البيت من باب الحجرة إلى باب البيت نحوا من ستة أو سبعة أذراع والبيت في الداخل نحو عشرة أذراع وارتفاع البيت ما بين سبعة أذرع إلى ثمانية أذرع يعني the distance between the Prophet ﷺ from one wall to another wall and from one side to another side was only seven arm span this long or eight Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Then the author Rahimahullah he then said ثُمَّ أَتَى مِنْ بَعْدُ فِي هَذِي سَنَة This same year that the Prophet was building his house for Sauda bint Zab'ah and he was doing that the Sahabas migrated back from Abyssinia Some of them were still in Abyssinia they came back but they came back أَقَلُّ مِنْ نِسْفِ الَّذِينَ سَافَرُوا Half of those who travelled returned Let's go back to what we mentioned The second time how many people migrated to Abyssinia? We mentioned there were 80-somethings, right, men? And we mentioned there were 18 women, right? So, who, how many men came back? 33 men came back. And from the women, only 8 came back. So what we can say is, less than half returned. The author is right in saying that. 33 is, uh, is the number that came back from the men. And the women, 8 came back. So the author is right to say less, less than half of the men came back and the women. وَفِيهِ in there in that year الْعَامُ الْأَوَّلِ the first year of the migration to Medina okay in the same year the noblest of elite established ties of brotherhood the Messenger الْأَخْيَارِ the best of people the elite of people يعني صحابة رسول الله the Messenger that year he made the brothers of Ansar and the brothers of uh, the Muhajireen, he made them brothers. He bonded them. Uh, he bonded them. He said that you guys are together. You are all brothers. You inherit one another. You are all going to inherit each other. You are going to be together. That's what Allah said in the ayah. وَالَّذِينَ تَبَوَّأُوا الدَّارَ وَالْإِيمَانَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Allah is praising them in the Qur'an, the Ansar. What did he say? وَالَّذِينَ تَبَوَّأُوا الدَّارَ وَالْإِيمَانَ The people of Ansar. يُحِبُّونَ مَنْ هَاجَرَ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَا يَجِدُونَ فِي صُدُورِهِمْ حَاجَةً مِمَّا أُوتُوا وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ the Ansar, their brothers who migrated to them, they love them. They love their brothers who came to them from Mecca, who migrated to them. Their love for their brothers who migrated to them. They did. They have great love for them. That's what Allah said in another ayah. وَأُولُوا الْأَرْحَامِ بَعْضُهُمْ أَوْلَى بِبَعْضٍ فِي كِتَابِ اللَّهِ The battle of Badr, an ayah came down, where the family members were now returned back to each other. يعني, your family is more closer to you now, and that's it. Before Lakin, in the early stages of Islam, people didn't have much families. Their families were in Mecca. Islam built an environment for them. 
to inherit each other, to become one and to bond them. But then later, this got abrogated. Everyone, in, can, can, your only family members can inherit you. No one else can inherit anyone else. Uh, na'am. That's what happened. Um, and there's a powerful story that came regarding uh, Sa'ad ibn Rabi' and Abdurrahman ibn Awf. The qisa that happened between them. Look at the love they had for each other. Sa'ad ibn Rabi' al-Ansari. Abdurrahman ibn Awf is a muhajir from Mecca. What did the Prophet do? He made them two together. And then he said to him, Inna li zawjataini. I have two wives. Abdurrahman ibn Awf. Abdurrahman, I have two wives, brother. Who's saying this? Sa'ad ibn Rabi' al-Ansari is saying this. I have two wives. Undur ahabbu ilayka. Which of those two women is most beloved to you? You can marry her. I will divorce her for you. If her idda finishes, she's your wife. You can marry her. And he said, I have a lot of money. Uh, I will divide my wealth into half. I'll give you half and I'll take half. Abdurrahman. So Sa'ad ibn Rabi' what he said really amazed me. Subhanallah. 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 The fact that he would say that. But what even amazed me more, what amazed me even more is the fact what Abdurrahman Ma'af said in return. He said, Barakallahu laka fi ahlika wa malik walakin dulluni ala al-suq. May Allah reward you for your kindness and your generosity. And may Allah bless you for your wealth. May Allah bless your wealth and your family for you. But where is the market? So Abdurrahman Ma'af was a, was a businessman. He, this is something he knew. Um... So what did he do? He started to do his trading. He went to the market. He, he worked um, uh, as, as a businessman. Abdurrahman Ma'auf had many, so much money in Mecca. Quraysh took that money from him and they didn't give it to him. So what did he do? He started from scratch. He built his way up and he became very wealthy. And he used to give a lot of wealth out, Abdurrahman ibn Aufin. Half of his wealth he would give out. Um, and every time he gave half of his wealth, Allah would give him half of his wealth back again. Until his wealth became so much. Abdurrahman ibn Awf. Al-Imam al-Zuhri said, Al-Imam al-Zuhri said, as Al-Imam al-Tabarani narrated in his Mu'jam al-Kabir, and Abu Nu'aym al-Asbahani mentions it in his Hilya, he said that Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he tasaddaq Abdurrahman ibn Awf bishatri mali ala ahdi rasulila arba'ata alaf. 4,000, half of his wealth he gave. And then he gave 40,000. And then he gave out 400,000 of his wealth. And then 500 horses he gave out in the cause of Allah. thousand riding beasts filled with things. He gave it all out for the sake of Allah. Majority of his wealth, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, majority of his wealth were sadaqah he gave. And majority of his wealth, Al-Imam al-Zuhri said, was from trading and business that he took from. From the people who left their money behind when they migrated to uh, Medina, who left their, their wealth behind in Mecca, who's very rich, was Suhaib al-Rumi. He left his wealth behind. Allah sent the ayah down on him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَشْرِي نَفْسَهُ بِتِغَاءَ مَرْضَاتِ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ 207 came down on him. Suhaib al-Rumi. Suhaib al-Rumi was a very rich man. He left all of his wealth. And Allah mentioned in this ayah, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ from the people are those 
who give their life for the sake of Allah. They want Allah to be pleased with them. That's what they did. Um, he left his wealth behind, he left everything behind, and he came to the Prophet Sallallahu Suhaib al-Rumi, he wanted to migrate, okay? And he had business, and he had wealth. So what he did was, Suhaib al-Rumi, he buried his wealth in, the, on, in places that Quraysh didn't know. So, um, he wanted to take it at a time when it was, they wouldn't know. That's what he wanted to do. And Quraysh, they didn't let him go. They stopped him from going. And he was very, very rich. Extremely rich. Then they said to him, if you leave Mecca, uh, Suhaib, and you go to Medina, we are going to be poor. You see? You came to us in Mecca when you initially came. And you had no wealth and you made your money in Mecca. You're not going to take this money from Mecca. That's what they said to him. Suhaib al-Rumi then said to them, I have a, a proposal. What about if I told you all of my wealth where it's buried in? Would you let me go and travel to Nabi and Muhammad? They said, of course we will. He said, I will tell you every wealth where I left it at. He said, okay, tell us. And we will let you go to Muhammad. And so he told them all of his wealth where it was buried. And they took his wealth and he left. That's why the ayah came down on him. He sold his lafs and all of his wealth, or everything he owned. Why? To please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And us, when we have to give one dinar, or one dirham, one pound, one pound for the sake of Allah, we start shivering. If we lose 10 pounds, we lose 100 pounds, we start getting frustrated. And these, these sahabas, they gave all of their wealth for this religion. The author, rahimahullah, here he says, That the Messenger he built for the uh, daughter of the best of companions. Abu Bakr's daughter, Aisha. Aisha is the daughter of the best companion of the Prophet. The author is taking the opinion that the Prophet he built for Aisha um, in the first year of the Hijriah that the Messenger Sallallahu uh, he built uh, the house of Aisha. The author is of the opinion that the first year of the Hijriah, the Messenger built a house for Aisha. And that view is not strong. The view that's commonly known amongst the scholars and it's the view of the majority of the scholars is that it was the second year that he did this. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Hafid ibn Hajar, he strengthened that one in Fathul Bari. Um, Aisha at that time, her, her age was nine years of age. The Messenger married her when she was nine. He married her when she was nine. So Aisha ta'ala is the best uh, woman. She's the best. The scholars, they disputed who's the best, Aisha or Khadija? And the reason why they're disputed on this issue is because the Prophet said, Fadlu Aisha ta, the virtue of Aisha, ala nisa'i, to all of the other women, is like kafadli tharid ala sa'ir ta'am, the way that the tharid is to the other food. The tharid, by the way, is uh, one of the best foods for the Arabs. 
it's it's bread that's grinded with uh, meat and they used to take the bread they put the meat in there and they put the uh, soup on top of it yeah the Arabs love that and they put oil on there uh, oil on there that is called atharid the Arabs that was one of the best dishes the prophet is trying to give them an example they can understand Aisha is like the tharid compared to all the other food ah you see Aisha is radiyallahu ta'ala anha lakin shaykhul islam ibn taymiyah he took a middle opinion he took an opinion in the middle which is what he said ummul mu'minina khadija she is the best bi'tibari awwal al-islam she is the best in terms of being the first person who took islam so the uh, beginning of islam she was the best lakin and because she helped the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and she she solidified him والسلام, with wealth she aided and supported him so Ibn Taymiyyah is saying at the beginning Khadija was the best and the ending of Islam Aisha is the best يعني, of the Prophet's life والسلام. so he said we'll divide the Prophet's life into two the beginning of his life who played the role يعني, the, first 13, uh, the first 10 years of the Prophet's life who did that Khadija did that so she's the best at that time the first 10 years of the Prophet's life and the last 10 years that Aisha was with the Prophet, she was the best. That's what Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, he chose. So this is it's a good view, inshallah ta'ala. It gives everybody their rights. It gives everybody their rights. And I think if I'm not wrong, Ibn Al-Qayyim in his kitab, Hadi Al-Arwah Ila Bilad Al-Afrah, I think it was, or it was in his Jala'u Al-Afham, I don't remember exactly, I can't recall it properly. Don't quote me on it, but it's one of those books, one of those two. He chooses Khadija over Aisha. Adhan. The Adhan was legislated. The Adhan was legislated in the first year of the Hijriya. There was an Adhan before that. The beginning of Islam, this is the story, brothers and sisters. In the beginning of Islam, I mean the beginning, the Sahabas radiallahu anhu, they complained to the Prophet sallallahu and when they came to Medina, they complained to the Prophet ﷺ that they don't know the timing of the prayer, that they're struggling. So they said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, why do you not take a naqus like the naqus of the Nasara? And he take a bell, like the bell of the Christians. The Christians have used the church. It's got a bell, right? Why don't you take a bell like that? So the people know the salah came in. And some of them said, no. We're in Medina. The, Christ, the Jews are next to us. They have a, a trumpet. They blow. They blow inside it. The naqus. Uh, sorry, they have a book. Why don't you take the book of the Yehud? The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, um, a dream was seen by Abdullah ibn Zayd. He saw a dream. And Abdullah ibn Zayd, in, in that dream, when he saw it, he saw wordings that were said and things that were... And he saw a dream that had in there the Adhan. And Umar also saw the dream as well. So the Prophet said to Abdullah ibn Zaydin, go and teach the Adhan to um, Bilal. Teach him it and Bilal is going to do it. Because Bilal, he said his voice is very louder than yours and it's clearer. So take the, teach him. So Bilal, he did the Adhan to, for, for the people. And that's how the Adhan uh, came about. And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
He taught the companions to say everything that the Mu'adhin says. That's why the author said, bihi. Follow the Mu'adhin in what he says. You follow the Imam in what he says. Until when it comes to Hayya ala salah and Hayya ala al-Falah, you say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa illa billah. You say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. The author, rahimahullah, here he goes into the maghazi Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He goes into the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as maghazi. Maghazi meaning the expeditions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He goes into the expedition. Uh, we'll stop there inshallah ta'ala. We'll stop. We'll stop there inshallah ta'ala. The expeditions, we'll, it's better that we start it. Bi-idhnillahi al-kareem. Tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala. Tomorrow is going to be our last day. So we're going to start going to mainly the expeditions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and his uh, the death of his children, and some rulings that happened in Mecca, uh, sorry in Medina, and the Prophet's death alayhi salatu wasalam. We'll do that all tomorrow, bi-idhnillahi uh, kareem.